let's get into to real estate, I guess. So um, you you're the self storage guy, king of self storage. How? Why self storage? Why not apartments? Yeah. So self storage is not a real estate asset. Um, oh, okay. It's a know business. That. So technically, it is. We don't view it though. Yes. Mm-hmm. So when we look at self storage, when you compare it to other real estate asset classes. Um, there's not, you know, for the most part, you have very little levers to pull with self storage. We look at saying every single unit is like, let's say you have 12 different types of units. Those mm-hmm. I view as products. We have 12 different products and then different people need to use it. So it's not like everybody uses the same unit for the same reason. Businesses, we have um, people that live in apartments, we have art collectors, you have all of these different reasons that people utilize those products in your storage facility. We Mm -hmm. analyze the utilization, we do things like revenue management, dynamic pricing like airlines or hotels do. Honestly, storage is more like a retail or a hotel than it is anything else. Short-term contracts, we have people moving in and out, and we treat it as such. And so when I looked at real estate, I did not like a simple thing of the real estate is that the market makes you like you buy it and, a, and the market goes up and then you fixed in your debt and you're just going to be successful. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that at all. I didn't understand it. Um, and maybe that was just because, you know, being scarred and everything from 2008. So, but I just like why that does not make sense to me. Um, and then they're like, oh, and then you'll sell it and you'll make all this money. And this is the returns that you'll make. Right. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all. I didn't understand it. And I viewed that as more for me gambling than it was operating a business. Why? Because the value drivers were not controlled. So you don't control those value drivers. So I'm like a business to me and to really generate wealth, I need to create consistent, um, uh, measurable returns that can be repeated. And in order to do that, to compound my wealth and to grow and build an empire or to secure anybody's wealth or future, you need to be able to control those inputs. And now real estate has all the best things in the world that everybody likes, right? It has the wealth creation. It has all the real estate, things like uh, the the tax benefits, all the reasons that people love real estate. So I thought self-storage was a, uh, a business that acted as a real estate play. And we could overlay those two things. And then we focus on buying underperforming businesses, turning them around, and we do value creation that is measurable and known. So when we look at our returns and what we're doing, I'm looking at the current asset and in its existing form, firm, excuse me, form, I'm taking all of the things that we would do that is known and seen in the marketplace, that's all our data and everything that is measurable, and we're buying it based upon that spread. And that's how our returns and everything else are predicated. That creates our buy box that we go into. So now I know exactly the ones that I get. Now, if the market goes up and cap rates compress or something like that, awesome. That's wonderful. Great for us. But we don't plan on it. And we don't base our returns on it. We don't do that kind of stuff. That keeps us out of trouble. That keeps us in a position of control, in a position where we can lever leverage technology, we can leverage usage. And we believe that Um, Well, it's not a belief. In commercial real estate, you can only increase value by really two things. You can secure income or you can increase income. That's it. 
So the more secured income is for the longer period of time, the more value it has because of the lower risk. And the more income that it produces, net income, the more valuable it is because we value things on cap rates. And a cap rate is an expression of a return based upon net income. So net income goes up, value goes up, right? So mm-hmm. because of that, we looked at it and say, most people predicate that investing strategy is the market will get better and there will be more demand. So rates will lift and markets will go up. We said, okay, that's great, but let's only buy things that we can control and change that net income. That way we're forcing the value in a measurable known way. Now we know when we buy something that we can do XXXX with it. We show the data. We can. It's measurable in the marketplace. It's not future upside. It's not like I'm saying, oh, yeah, well, we could uh, up rates to X amount, even though nobody's getting that in the market. That's not, mm-hmm. no longer measurable. That's guessing. Mm-hmm. And so our strategy became we would buy it. We would increase that rate. We'd refinance it, take all our money out plus profits, reinvest it. And then I could get two things. I could get return. I could get my capital reinvested but I would keep the asset. I mm-hmm. also keep all the tax benefits. I don't have to recoup depreciation and I get all that money that I made tax-free because it's mm-hmm. in the form of a loan. So now the money that I'm recompounding, right, isn't taken out of taxes. So if if you have to pay taxes, like capital gains on a sell, well, mm-hmm. you got uh, $100,000, but you lose 30,000 of it. Well, right off the bat, just in order to break even, you have to make over a 30% return just to get back to where you were. Yeah. Now we don't have to do that because my 100000 is 100000 I redeploy that, all the returns above it, but I still own the original source. It's paying me and creating wealth for me. Mm-hmm. That's how we could compound it. And mm-hmm. we could only do that if there was a known rate or a known way to go about and institute this. So we had to buy things that we could measure, know that we could get our money out, we could do this, and we could continue and move forward. And so our business strategy um, was leveraging the advantages of real estate. Uh, but self-storage lends itself to that, where we just can't do that with a lot of assets without having major capital X. So let's say you have an apartment building and there's 100 units on it. First of all, that's mm-hmm. going to cost you a lot of money. Second of all, if you want to change the rate to a higher rate in that market, right, you're usually going to have to do major improvements to get that to another class that the market's setting. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's huge amounts of money. So you don't get that upside without a cost. Storage mm-hmm. doesn't act like that. So I, my asset will produce 30% more revenue than the exact same one a half a mile down the street. The markets don't set the rates. Demand does. So mm. I can do things and play play with rates and do revenue management, but yet I don't need to put any capital expenditures in those box to adjust and change those those numbers. So our cash flow is much higher. Our margins are much higher. And our ability to do it, we have one-month leases. I give notice. Within 30 days, I'm implementing those rate increases across the board. And what would cost you to buy an apartment building with 50 units, I can buy something with 800 units. So now my money is spread across way more sources of revenue, which also lowers my risk. And uh, self-storage is uh, recession resistant. So now I get time, I get compounding, I get tax benefits, um, and that allows me to grow and compound wealth. Got it. 